Welcome to the David, believe it or not, the seventh episode yes. of Believe, believe, excuse me, believe in Arizona State. Yes, uh, hard to believe this is our seventh one, David, isn't it? We are. Uh, we're rolling right through, man. Just like the football season. It, it's something. It's hard to believe, and this is our a unique podcast for us. It's the first time that we don't have one of our own games to critique. Yes. Before we go into the rest, but uh, we have some interesting things to talk about because. Yes, we do our first opponent that I believe the spot on the game, which I looked up today, um, our next opponent is Stanford. Yes. And we're playing at Stanford. And I think before last Saturday's games, it might've been a toss up. We might've even been favored, but then they go into South Bend and they beat Notre Dame on Notre Dame's home field, which I know this year that is not as a sensational act as in past years. It's still impressive. And as of today, the uh, Stanford Cardinal are a three-point favorite. The over-and-under is about 54, 55 points. But it's going to be an interesting game now, isn't it? What do you think about this? So they always say the over-and-under. Most likely when you're playing at home, unless you're a really, really bad team, you're always going to get, you know, three points when you're at home. They're going to give you three when you're at home. So that's what you see. You see Stanford three-and-a-half. Not just three, but a half because of what they did to Notre Dame in Notre Dame last week. Right. You know what was fun for you and I this weekend? <clears throat> Excuse me. What was fun for us this weekend is that normally the Pac-12 games, you know, we live here in Cincinnati, Ohio, and you and I are number one trying to find them somewhere. Yes. Number two, trying to stay awake to watch them. Yeah. But that game, there was a huge game in Ann Arbor this weekend with Penn State and Michigan, and that game came on, uh, you know, NBC right after that ball game was over. And you and I actually got to watch our next opponent play four quarters against a quality opponent, which gives us a much better outlook on what the possibilities are for the next next week. And David, what did you see as you watched Stanford defeat Notre Dame and, and play them tooth and nail the whole game? What did you see that's in your mind that transfers to this Saturday with us playing at Stanford? Well, you're looking at a Stanford team who's been beat up all year game-wise, not players. But then they got the football in the opening drive against Notre Dame and went right down the field like they were in practice. It was like butter. It was, it was. Like, it was like varsity JV, and that JV was told not to hit anybody too hard. And, you know, and it, and it looked like Stanford's – and I and once again, I, I know David Shaw, head coach uh, for Stanford, because he was my ball boy when I was at Arizona State uh, being coached by his dad, Willie Shaw. And um, David is a calm and cool collective coach. I was just going to say that to you. No matter what was happening in that game, when they panned the sidelines and they went on David Shaw, they could have been up 10, down to it didn't matter. He had a bit of a smile on his face. He had this calm demeanor and expression. People come up to him all out out of sorts. He'd go calm down. And he would just look out and send him out. It was like he was going for a Sunday stroll. And, you know, he, he he's just like his dad. You know, when I, when I was coached by his dad, never heard Willie get upset. Never heard Willie yell and scream. It was a conversation almost like father and son. And I think David has that same mindset at Stanford. So when Stanford played Notre Dame and went down and scored on that first possession, um, their morale – their confidence really, really grew, and they took it to Notre Dame. And once again, I believe they're going to do that. Have the same mindset when they got the they host Arizona State this weekend. 
there was something that came, there are a couple of words that, and I haven't shared this with you, but that opening drive and then kind of the rest of the game, the things that came to mind as I watched Stanford play was repetition, execution, and discipline. Repetition, execution, and discipline. And it almost made me go back to our last guest, Scott Pilkey going, you know, do this, repeat. Yes. Rest. Yeah. I, 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 had, I had him going through my mind. I had you going through my mind. They didn't defeat themselves. And if I remember, uh, their quarterback's name is Tanner McKee. Yes. This took me back to something you've been saying over the last couple of podcasts is your quarterback doesn't necessarily have to win you the game. You don't want him to lose you the game. And if there's ever been what I would call a talented manager, Tanner McKee was 20 to 25, 172 yards, a touchdown, no interceptions, a couple of nice first down quarterback sneaks and runs around end here and there. Uh, it's interesting what that will – I think I watched this game pretty carefully. I knew we were the that was our next opponent. I think we're going to give them everything they can handle. Oh, no doubt. I don't. I don't. I believe Arizona State could go into Notre Dame and do what Stanford just did after watching our first few games. Do Do you feel that way? I do. I I think Arizona State, um, after coming off that big win against Washington, then I think twenty three in the nation. I believe that uh, you know I really don't like the buys. I don't want to sit around and and have to wait two weeks to play a football game. But I think Arizona State, watching that Notre Dame game, which was really nice, I'm pretty sure that that football team probably sat around, uh, you know, the meeting room or somewhere at Arizona State and watched Notre Dame play. So they watched a live game. They also now have film on Notre Dame this week. And I think that when you sit up and watch how Stanford beat Notre Dame, and you said it, Dave, uh, discipline. David Shaw has always represented discipline at Stanford. And then once again, you go back and look at Stanford, you look at the players that play at Stanford, they're not just athletes, they're students before they are athletes because Stanford holds a high standard in their academics. But I will tell you this, I think watching that game, watching how fundamentally sound Stanford's football team was offensively and defensively, collectively with the special teams, Sure. They looked like they were a five and two football team instead of a two and four football team. I agree. And you and I were texting back and forth throughout that game. And one thing I text you, you know, that I think you are too, but I'm a big fantasy football player and I'm currently in first place in my league, which is a beautiful thing. And one of the reasons is because I have Christian McCaffrey. And as I watch that game, who's a Stanford grad. Yes. And when I watch that game, they have Casey Filkins, a junior running back. Uh, number two in the backfield, <clears throat> getting every once in a while just a tremendous first down, that extra body lean, catching a pass out of the backfield, getting them a first down. And I texted you, and I, it sounded like I feel like I'm watching a young carbon. Do I think he's as talented as Christian McCaffrey? No. Do I look like I'm watching a carbon copy? I do. It's almost like that that team has a blueprint of who they're looking to recruit, how they're going to train them, and how that person is going to perform. And think about this. So when you talk about Christian for, uh, McCaffrey, at Stanford uh, with Andrew Luck, you know, the quarterback that played today, that played at Andrew Luck, you know, managing the football game, a very smart individual when it comes to academics, but yet a smart football player. So Stanford's offense hasn't changed. The only difference is, is the player who's playing quarterback and the player who's playing running back. So once again, and Emmett Smith's son also is a running back at Stanford. So, you know, Stanford, recruits based off of the style of offense and defense that they play. You can't take a scrambling quarterback 
and have him come in and stand in the pocket and be a pocket protector or pocket passing quarterback. You can't do that. So what Stanford has done over the years is that David Shaw's offense has not changed. The only thing that has changed is the person who's wearing the, the outfit for Stanford and getting the job done. The pieces. Yeah, I, as I was watching that game, you've said this multiple times in some of our podcasts. You say, you know, you're not playing for the fans. You're, you're playing for yourself. You're playing for your teammates. And what I saw in Stanford that we are going to have to combat, and I believe it's the same for us now. I believe that our, our guys are playing wonderful ball for this interim coach. And I believe that Stanford was playing that game not only for personal pride, but you could tell they were playing it for David Shaw as well. And what an exciting game to think about. You know, here we are. Okay, they've had some losses. We've had some losses. You look at the schedule and you go, okay, you know, Arizona State and Stanford are going to play this week. Really? Because we're playing after beating Washington, knocking them out of the top 25, and Stanford's coming into this game having knocked off Notre Dame at Notre Dame. What looked like a blasé game on the schedule now looks like a dynamite matchup that I can't wait to watch. And I think, too, I think because of the Pac-10, Pac-12, uh, the rivalries, and I, I thought Stanford would go in there and play Notre Dame pretty tough because that's a big rivalry game. Now they come out with a victory. Now they're going to play uh, their Pac-12 foe in Arizona State at home, coming off that big victory. So the the, 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 the advantage, maybe Stanford, because they're at home, that's why they give them three and a half. But both football teams are coming off big wins. And I hate Arizona State did not have a game this week. I know. Yet, they still got to play football. So how prepared are they? We'll find out Saturday down in Stanford. So, so David, take, take me back to being a player. So you're a current Arizona State player. You had the bye week. I think we both hope that the team got together and watched that game together. You're sitting there watching them play. Are you thinking in your mind what that's going to look like next week when you're on the field against them? How do you watch an upcoming opponent? You're on a bye. They're playing. They're playing well. But you're saying in your mind what? So I'm, I'm watching Stanford and Notre Dame play. I'm the Arizona State player sitting and watching game with my other teammates. I'm not watching the game. I'm watching strategies. I'm watching when they come up at the line of scrimmage. What are they doing on first down, second down, and third down? Mm-hmm. What's the guy that I'm going to be covering, whether it's the tight end or that McCaffrey-like running back out of the backfield? Right. What do I have to watch? I'm watching the lineman as well. The undercover lineman, is that guy who's not covered, is he firing off the football? Is he dropping back for a pass play? What's he doing? So I'm basically um, being a defensive coordinator of myself watching what Stanford is doing. And once again, David, we call them students of the game. Mm-hmm. Call them the, uh, the 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 quarterback for the Indianapolis <laughs> coach back in the day, uh, Peyton Manning, a student of the game. You know, quarterbacks are watching defenses so they can read and see what they're doing. Uh, our beloved Bengals, as I can throw it in here, beat the New Orleans Saints because Joe Burrow is sitting there watching that defense and what they were giving him and what they were taking away. So as a defensive player, the only thing I can recall as a defensive player is recapping or watching what the offense is in doing, what they're doing. What are they doing on third down and long? Are they running the football? Are they running the football on second and short? And when you start realizing that's what they do, makes the game much easier when you play it. That's such a good point. And I'll say two things. Number one, uh, Joe Burrow's four touchdown performance the other day, add a few zeros to his next contract. There's no question about that. Oh, we know and, that. And, and number two, I, I told you this at your bobblehead event this weekend, you have ruined me for watching football. 
I don't watch the game anymore. The, the ball might be over there. I'm watching a matchup over there. I'm watching the schemes. You, you've ruined me in a positive way. And when you come out of coaching retirement, I want to be on that staff because you, you've basically been training me to be an assistant coach for you. So it's, it's really interesting. And David, I know you're a stats guy. We do this every time. Let me go over some of the stats okay. from the Notre Dame Stanford game. We didn't play. So uh, uh, Notre Dame had 27 first downs. Stanford had 11. Hard to believe. Wow. Um, I know, isn't that something? Notre Dame was two for 11 on third down. Stanford was three for 11 on third down. I think if I told you that Stanford was three to 11 on third down at Notre Dame, you'd have told me they lost by 25. Yeah. Um, here, here's, here's a big one. Uh, total yards, 509 for Notre Dame, 227 for Stanford. Wow. They basically doubled them. Uh, just just unbelievable. Two turnovers for Stanford for, for one. Time of possession, Notre Dame, 34-10. Stanford, 25-50. Just like we talked about last week, where you and I will go through these statistics and you'll go, see, see, you can't lose those. Again, it appears that Notre Dame passing 341 yards, 27 for 36, 341. I already told you, McKee was 20 out of 25 for 172 and a touchdown. You look at those, this is where you, I've, I've heard people say there's statistics, more statistics than darn liars. Uh, it's it's interesting when statistics don't tell the final score. And it doesn't, Dave. And I think sometimes uh, you have to you have to understand the game. You know, I look at the Bengals game yesterday. And I know we're, we're talking about Arizona State, but. It's okay. We, we flex. Yeah. I look at the Bengals game yesterday and uh, the Saints well, almost 300 yards rushing yesterday. But yet again, the points that the Saints put on the board were three points, three points, three points. You know, and when you can still win the football game being under stacked, you know, your, your team is, is, is 50% less than what the other team is, but it's the points you put on the board. And you look at Notre Dame and Stanford's game, I think the final score was 16-14. So there wasn't a lot of points put on the board. And if you have a goal, and our goal when I played, our goal was to have 17 points or less in a game. You're going to win with 17 points or less in a game because you believe that right. your offense is going to put three three touchdowns on the board. That's what Stanford, that's how they won that game. So as a defender, no matter how many yards they get on you, as long as we keep them out of the end zone and they kick field goals, we got a chance to win. And that's what's happening with Stanford last week, as well as Arizona State the week before. All right, you watched that game. You saw Stanford, and uh, you saw the whole game, as did I. And you know our team. And I, I haven't seen a report. I looked pretty hard on whether it was going to be Emory or Trenton that will play on Saturday. They don't know yet. They still don't know yet. Yeah. And I don't really care which one it is. I know that sounds crazy for a podcast, but I think either one of those two quarterbacks is going to have success against because I, I watched Notre Dame and Notre Dame yeah they're in a bit of a down year but that quarterback he, he threw pretty well their tight end uh, you know was it uh, Mike Mayer whatever his name is there in Notre Dame unstoppable uh he's like he's like the young man who was unstoppable again for Utah as they beat USC just the tight end positions exploding in college football and moving on to the pros and I think that we have some matchups this is you're a matchup guy it's all we talk about all the time when we're off air matchups 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 which matchups do you see that benefit Arizona State this Saturday at Stanford? Well, you see how many yards Stanford gave up uh, throughout the air. Um, so passing, no matter, like you said, no matter which quarterback is in the game, 
I think we can throw the football on them. But we have, we also have the X factor. And the X factor can run the football. So what does Stanford have to do to stop Arizona State from winning this football game? Well, once again, get them in long down situations. Third down and 12, third down and 15, make it long. But if Arizona State can make it second and short, now you put the X factor in the game and things will happen. So um, Arizona State has a, a great opportunity to come in here and get their next win because Stanford, um, once again, a two and four football team versus another two and four or three and four football team. You know what? Somebody's got to give in. It just depends on what offense make plays and what defense stop making those plays. You know, the NBC announcers, if they said it once, they said it a minimum of five times. And if they got to 10 times, I think it's possible on how much smaller the defensive line for Stanford was than Notre Dame's offensive line. Yet what happened? That that tinier, that smaller, quicker, maybe more determined defensive line stopped quite a bit of the running and put a ton of pressure on Notre Dame's quarterback. So the way I see it coming up, you know, again, you've trained me for what to look at. If our offensive line opens up some holes, X is going to go for 150 and a couple of scores. And if X goes for 150 and a couple of scores, our next podcast, when we are preparing for Colorado, who won a game this weekend for the first time this year, we're going to be talking about the dominance of our running game got us a victory at Stanford. And that's why you have to pay attention to the game, the student of the game. So you, you're, I'm, I'm talking to you about football and, and you know, you're, you're, your, your, your podcast or your livelihood is motivational speaker. And yeah, you do know football, but now you're starting to see uh, what happens at the line of scrimmage. You know, smaller Stanford defensive line, bigger offensive line for uh, Notre Dame, but yet speed kills size. And if Stanford is fast enough, they get to the quarterback and put pressure on the quarterback. The thing about this game, Dave, and, and I've said it many, many times, you know, you could put uh, the best running back in the backfield with a weak offensive line, he becomes mediocre. You put a non-name, you know, a running back in the, in the backfield with a great offensive line, he becomes a Heisman Trophy candidate or he becomes a Pac-12 uh, leader in rushing. So that's what's happening. And I think for Arizona State, no matter what quarterback gets on that field, He's going to have some success if he has time to throw the football. And the X factor, I'm telling you, man, I'm so glad I, I don't know how to pronounce his name when I need to, but I definitely <laughs> know how to say the X factor. And let me tell you something. He has, he has what it has. He has what it takes. You know, that he has that it factor. He does have the, he puts it the ball factor. in his hand. When he puts that ball in his hand, he knows what to do with the football. He goes up the field, north and south, trying to make things happen. And Arizona State is in a good position to get their next win. You know, David, you're right. I know enough about football to be dangerous and enough about football to have great conversations with you. But I'll tell you what I noticed, and I'm not an offensive coordinator, but I'm also not an idiot. Stanford's defensive line, they were using leverage. They were, they were allowing those bigger offensive linemen from Notre Dame to come at them. They would take that weight and step aside of it and let that weight go by them, and then they would rush in. That is going to set, if they follow that same criteria this week, and I know that there's people a lot smarter than me. There's going to be a couple of dump offs to the X factor or Engada that are going to go for huge gains or possibly even touchdowns because 
that is leaving that that next level of which you used to say, if I'm a safety and I'm leading the game in tackles, something's seriously wrong. Oh, yeah. I, I think that could happen this weekend. And you know what? I, my, my thought process is if Stanford's safety is making 10, 15, 20 tackles a game, that means the X factor is in the backfield, the secondary, quite often. And Dave, once again, football, sometimes people think football is, uh, is easy. It's not. It's complicated. But once you understand the, the, the techniques and the, the dimensions of the game, it becomes easy. And as we've grown through this ASU podcast, and I'm listening to you, you sound like one of them guys who have already been on the TV screen and watching games week in and week out because you've now become a student of the game and you're watching it. Right. I've been around that game for so long that I notice things that other people don't notice. And I'm going to love you or hate you for it. I really don't. Oh, I know. I'm going to love you because I watched the game where I hate you because my mind is now a trap. I know. And I and I look at it like this. What, what made me successful in college football to become a college football Hall of Famer this past uh, two years, what made me successful was I played wide receiver in, in, in high school. Right. So I could read defenses. Then all of a sudden, I flipped from wide receiver to safety. Now I'm reading offenses. So I know what that receiver is going to do. And once again, I'm going back to the student of the game. When you know what your opponent is doing, like Stanford knew what Notre Dame was going to do, if Arizona State knows what Stanford's going to do, which was great because they got a chance to sit there and watch them play at Notre Dame, it could be really, really easy if they're paying attention to detail. And that's the word, Dave, detail. When you pay attention to detail, you're going to be successful. I don't care what it is. I don't care if it's in business, if it's in walking down the street, if it's delivering packages, if it's just a businessman. If you're paying attention to detail and you pay attention to it week in and week out, and that's hard for a college player to do that because right. he's got so many other things going on. School, this college atmosphere, right. the nightclubs, the partying, the moving around. But yet you still have to pay attention to detail for two hours in practice if you're practicing that long to make sure you understand what's going on. So I believe, not just in Arizona State, but I also believe that this coach, this interim coach has got these players to fight week in and week out. And they're doing that. And they showed it against Washington. And I'm pretty sure they're going to show it against Stanford this weekend. I agree with you. Let me, let me share a, a bit of an analogy here that I thought about this weekend. Uh, I have a friend named uh, Danny B. Bullock, who would make a great guest on this program someday. Yes. Former sergeant in the Army, brought me over to Germany for a couple tours where I talked to our troops all over Germany, all yes. over Italy, all over Europe. And after leaving the service, he became a farmer. And he, you know, he said to me one day, he goes, you know, I, I used to say stupid, dumb farmer, super dumb. He said, I'll never do that again. He said, what a mi misrepresentation that a farmer is to. He said, I have learned more about how to run a farm and how to run a homestead and how to run a business than I've ever thought in my, I need an MBA in farming. He said, I'll never say that again. And anyone that says the words big, dumb jock has never been. And you know that you and I have done a couple of events together already. And we've gotten there early enough. To what the last time when we went to Ohio Northern, what we, I think we were watching special teams. We were watching their kick return meeting and and everything that goes into a simple kick return meeting. If you go to any of these meetings that any of these players on any major program are going to, the last thing you're going to call any of them is a big dumb jock. No, you can't, man. I, I'm telling. I, I I've told people this before. When you're if you want to call me a dumb jock. You're calling me a dumb jock because I'm sitting there trying to sit in some biochemical 
uh, engineering class and talking to these guys. I have no idea what you're talking about. But when it comes to football and being smart, I'm a very good, smart football player. And I think sometimes people get it mixed up because football players have the mind of, I want to say maybe a fish. It's one play at a time. You take a fish out of the water and you put him on the ground, he's going to flop in the air, blah, 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 because he jumped out. Well, that fish is probably going to go back in the water and do it again. Well, as a football player, once that play is over with, Dave, it's over and it's time to line up for the next play. That's not a dumb jock. That's a smart individual who's taking care of business and taking care of his job one play at a time. You know, David, you'll, hear, you'll see people, you'll hear people who either come in late to training camp or maybe there's a late trade or there's a mid-season trade where a pretty major player goes from one place to another and they'll say, well, they, you know, they got to learn the playbook. They got to learn the playbook. And, you know, you'll hear people go, come on, come on. Plays are from one team to another. They're basically the same. Boy, is that not true, number one. No. And number no. two, you put yourself back in your own shoes. You get a brand new playbook. And you go, okay, you went from you went at the later in your career, you went from the Bengals to the Raiders. The Raiders yes. And I'm assuming the Raiders playbook was not a carbon copy of the Bengals. No, it wasn't. Okay. And how long did it take you to say, okay, I'm comfortable with the playbook? Dave, let me tell you something, man. It probably took me a week because some of the things that they've done, the only difference is is terminology. So what we call a uh, Fulcher to stay, the Raiders called, you know, uh, two uh, Husky. So all I had to do was realize that two Husky was Fulcher to stay. Obviously, the Dick LeBeau made a defense called Fulcher to stay because of what we used to do with me and our and our defensive scheme. Right. So I say the same thing. I mean, yeah, terminology. But when I look at the playbook, hey, man, that's just Fulcher to stay. Oh, that's just in cover three. They just call it something different. I just have to remember what they're calling it to play the game. And once again, football for me was hit and tackle, hit and tackle. When you hit somebody and you tackle them, you're going to make plays, no matter if it's in a Raider uniform or a Bingo uniform or an Arizona State uniform or Stanford uniform. It is hit and tackle for me as a defensive guy. On offense, it's block, tackle, throw the ball, catch the ball. And if you can do that, you're going to be successful. That's great. Do you have a uh, prognostication for us for Saturday? Is there a thought in your head have you, as you've been thinking about the game? Do you see it playing out a certain way? Do you see a score in mind? Do you see us getting out of that place with a victory and moving on to Colorado? Well, you know, in Stanford, playing at Stanford is pretty tough. You know, I think it's a one o'clock game or a four o'clock game. I'm not sure exactly when that time happens. But, you know, the preparation for players and coaches, you know, you, you have to adjust to the time change. It's a four o'clock game. So it's a four o'clock game. So that should be pretty good. And I, I tell you what, Dave, I've got a, we've got our special guest, man, out there on the, on the line right now. Come in? come in. Let me bring him in here, man. So he can Oh, bring him in. Every second with him today will be great. Oh, yeah. All right. Let's see. He is trying to connect. It's coming. You've been waiting for this guest for weeks. I'll tell you what, man. I've had to hear about this guest for at least four weeks now. He's trying to connect to the audio. He told me he knew how to do it, so I'm (laughs) going to trust him. Um, We're waiting to get him in here right now. But as as you're waiting for him to get in there, David, uh, to to add to the question that you had, um, had said, you know, 
this is this is a you know a must-win game for both teams. It is. It's a must-win game for both teams. And, and when you're talking about winning, you, you want them in there. Let me figure out if I see him out there. Coach, are you there? Yes, I am. I, I don't see you, but I can hear you. I'm not sure if you're trying to get I'm on not, here. I'm having, trouble getting, uh, I'm having trouble getting the video. I mean, getting me on video. Is there a, is there a meeting ID? Um, He's asking me for a media, meeting ID. Yeah, all you had to do, I think, when you hit it was uh, – Hit the video. I'm trying to see if I can invite you and get you in here, but all you had to do was hit that, uh, that uh, hit, the, hit the thing there to, to get you in there, and I'm not sure what else I can do. Um, we're trying to get this on here, man. David, why don't you have him hang up? Give it one more try. And yeah, Dave. Uh, Coach, won't you? Yeah, won't you hang up, Coach? Get another try. Come back in and see what happens. Okay. Thank you, sir. Rather than waste time when he okay. comes on. Technical difficulties right now with uh, my special guest. That's okay. Rather than waste Shaw. time when he comes in, tell everybody who our special guest is. Well, Willie Shaw, I'm going to give you guys a – Willie Shaw is actually the father of head coach David Shaw at Stanford. And Willie was my um, defensive back coach when I was there at Arizona State uh, and his son – David Shaw was our ball boy. And uh, I remember having David run around and grabbing water and picking up balls. And, you know, when we dropped the ball or threw the ball over, wherever it was, he ran out there and picked it up. And then I'm, you know, years, many, many years later, I'm looking on the sideline of a Stanford game. And sure enough, who is it? It's David Shaw coaching Stanford. So we're going to try this again, man. See if we can get him in here. We don't so get your him. ball boy when you were young, younger yes. is now the head coach. It's the head coach Stanford. at Stanford. You believe that? So let's try it again. See if we can get coaching there real quick. Um, I know he's there. He's trying to connect him to audio. Somehow he's not getting the uh, the video connection. Um, hmm. That's all right, David. As long as we have him on audio. Oh, yeah. We're good to go. So when he comes in, we'll just go with the flow and uh, we'll figure it out later. So, yeah, so Coach Shaw significantly was my guy. Coach, I don't know if we can get the video, man, but we got your audio. We'll just run with the play. Does that work? Okay, that sounds good. So, listen, man, I uh, I want to thank you for joining the, uh, we call it Believe in Arizona State. Um, my co-host, David Coleman, is on here with me. And um, Hello, Coach. You know, we've got – How are you doing? Real good. It's an we've honor got to some, you. We've got Thank some you. stuff going My on pleasure. here, Dave. And uh, Willie Shaw is significant um, for recruiting me out of Los Angeles to uh, come to Arizona State. And, Coach, if you want to uh, tell tell Dave and everybody that's listening how you and I became um, partners in crime at Arizona State. <laughs> well, you know, at the time I had all – You still there, Coach? We we lost you. Ah, man, we're having technical difficulties. You, Van Raphorst, Danny Salamore, uh, Scotty Stevens, Aaron, um, Eric Allen. There was there's about ten of you off the Blue Chris Lowe's Blue Crip, the, the Blue Chip uh, that year, and so you came in with a fantastic class. And uh, when I first came across you at Fremont High School 
Yes. And I I got some film of you and watched you play. You played tight end and defensive back. No, and, and so I wasn't sure. And so I went to your high school to ask about you. And I found out that nobody else was recruiting you in L.A. The two L.A. schools were not recruiting you. My brother was on the SC staff that year. And I asked him, why aren't you guys recruiting in this David Fulcher? He said, well, we don't, our, our guy recruiting area doesn't think that he runs fast enough to play tight end or defensive back. And we don't think he's tough enough to play linebacker. So, <laughs> wow. so I went over to talk to the, um, your high school coach. And I said, is this guy fast enough to play uh, a defensive back or safety or tight end? He says, coach, I don't care. I don't know what other people are telling you. He's playing He's playing baseball over Centennial. I think you guys played Centennial. Yeah, we did. And so I went over and I sit in the stands and you, and when you got up, you hit the ball and flew down to first base. I left the thing then. I said, this guy's fast enough. <laughs> and so when I when I when I brought your name up at the at our recruiting meeting, Dale Rogers was the head coach and and and, my, and your name came up and I said, see, I'm recruiting this kid. I think he's gonna be one of the best kids to come out of LA. And he said, well, why is it UCLA and SU recruiting him? I said, schools don't recruit players. People do. And I don't think the two coaches that are recruiting him from those two schools are very good evaluators. And I turned on, I was right. Wow. And it took a long time to convince our head coach because he kept coming up. Well, why isn't this? Uh, I, Fremont High School is what, about about two miles from SC? Something yes. like that. It's real close. And he kept He's right down the street. Why isn't USC recruiting him? And you want to give him, uh, what, I think we had like 22 scholarships. You want to give him one of our scholarships and nobody in LA is recruiting him? I said, coach, I told you, those two guys, those two lazy guys in LA, they're looking at other people. They're not recruiting him because they're not sure what, what they're doing. This is a great finally, story. Finally, the last week, when we're finally doing our final tally on who we're going to offer scholarships, we had, our, we had that final meeting and I said, if we don't offer this guy a scholarship, we are going to have egg on our face because I don't know where he's going to go. But wherever he's going to go, he's going to be a great player. And finally, Daryl said, Willie, you've been such a good recruiter for us. We're going to take a chance on him. They <laughs> took a chance on you. I couldn't believe it. And uh, what are you, All-American your freshman year? Yes. Led the team in interceptions, led the team in tackles, and uh, was one of the best players on our team. Wow, that is an incredible story. That's two things I want to say, Coach. First, what a, what a great story. First of all, thank you for giving me the information to motivate David in the future when I don't think he's performing at his level by telling him he's not tough enough. I, I really appreciate oh, that, yeah. that information. Yeah. And as hard as you worked to recruit this man to Arizona State though, so that he could become a consensus All-American and end up with the Bengals after that and then the Raiders – uh, there's a place in Cincinnati called Jeff Ruby's. And the next time you're in town, he's taking both of us out to that dinner. Yes, oh, you uh, yeah. I you went above that. and beyond, above and beyond the call. And uh, coach, what did you see? Okay. You saw him fly. Isn't it interesting that he saw you at a baseball game, saw you go from home to first. Yeah, one his, ju his junior year. That was his junior year. Junior year. There's the speed. Yeah, because I'm, I was out doing junior recruiting at the time. What so did it was you spring. It was his spring. Well, and the other thing his coach said, I said, would convince me that this guy is going to be a player. And he said, well, coach, he's the captain of the football team. He's the captain of the baseball team. He's the captain of the basketball team. Now, 
how can that be a miss? If everybody else around him thinks that he is the guy whenever he shows wow. up, he's going to not miss. And he was right. He became the captain of our team, too, at Arizona State. But he was really, really a, a good gift. And uh, his parents were just outstanding. Just I still th- remember vet visitations with his dad. His brother played at Arizona, which was kind of a little bit of drawback, too. But, but the thing about it, his brother was a starting quarterback at Arizona, and they weren't recruiting so there's a lot of people missing on this young man who was, once I met with him, I met with his coach, I met with him and met with his parents, I was convinced. And and I was a David Fulcher fan from then on. Willie, uh, for those of us on the outside looking in to major college football, when you recruit someone that was marginal, and it's hard to say the words David Fulcher and marginal in the same sentence, but to the rest of the staff, they were looking at you going, okay, Okay. And then this young man becomes a superstar, becomes a consensus All-American, ends up in the NFL. What does that feel like? And what does that do for you in your job? Well, you know, it's the the thing about recruiting, and I and I was with eight, I was with eight NFL teams too. I was with I was, I was with I, I coached at Oregon, Arizona State, I coached at Stanford twice. I coached in junior college. When you're recruiting a player or evaluating a player, there's a thing called potential. There's some players who you see are all all world or high school all Americans, but sometimes they're at the, they're at their peak potential and they're not going to get any better. And then you have to go and look at the other guy that says, okay, this guy has something to him, but there's a lot of growth of potential in him that goes beyond that. That's why that's why in the NFL you see guys get. Um, undrafted and wind up in the hall of fame it's because it's yeah. it's not what they're doing now it's what they what they have the potential to grow into because some some guys are playing second team on one team on, on one level is going to be an all-american on the next level because he's he's got a lot more growth and potential in him mm. that and that's the biggest part of the evaluation it's not what he's doing now it's what he has the capability of doing once and you got to look at those intangibles like his coach telling me hey he's a captain of every team he gets on that's big. That's a big part of who he is and, and his determination where he's going. So those those things that are go around him, you know, when I was when I was recruiting, I would go I would go beyond uh, just looking at his transcript and talking to him. I talked to the janitor. I talked to his counselor. I talked <laughs> to his barber. I talked to anybody that I thought that might have an influence on what this guy is all about, because there's more to the there's more to him than just the athleticism it's a complete guy that's going to be what he is as he grows and david had all those intangibles that i thought willie i'm trying to find out if i have any eligibility just to play for you whatever you're doing right now I, I'm, I'm motivated to go through the rest of today i can tell you that just hearing this conversation you know uh, it, i can I, I, tell you this coach i don't mean to cut you off man I'm, I'm that's okay i'm trying not to get teary out here man because i remember so many conversations with you as um, as a recruiter coming in there. And I kept saying to myself, you know, the same thing you just said. So why isn't SC and UCLA wanting me? Man, I, I think I'm pretty good. I, I didn't think I was the best athlete. I just knew that I, I, I did everything that was asked of me. And yet nobody said anything. So it was like, you know what? And you told me, you said, Dave, I want you to believe in me, man. I want you to trust me. 
You know, our podcast is Believe in Arizona State. I believed in everything that Willie Shaw said to me to the point where I was listening to Willie Shaw more than I was listening to my dad. And I just believed that you were not going to let me down. So what I did was I made sure in every sport I was playing that I couldn't let Willie Shaw down. I'm bat playing basketball after football. And I'm playing the best basketball I can because Willie Shaw might be sitting around watching me play. <laughs> when baseball you know came around, I did the I same thing. You off, David. I had that other I had that same conversation with somebody else you know too. Eric Allen was at Point Loma High School. And when I first started recruiting him, no one was recruiting him. And I I I sit down with him and his mom because it's gray. He wasn't going to school. He was missing school and he was hanging out with some of the guys. And I and I sit down with him and his mom. And he's and I said, "Hey, you are going nowhere." He he was he he grew up in my neighborhood in San Diego, and he asked me the same question: "Why are you recruiting me?" And I told him the same the way you did the same thing. I said, "Hey, I believe that you can be who you need to be." I said, "I'm gonna I've, I signed a contract with Eric Allen." I said, "You're not going to school. Your grades his co his coach called me. Ben Eden's called me." Benny Eagles, who was a head coach at Point Loma High School, and he and he said, "I got a guy, but I don't know what to do about him. He's a good, he's good enough athlete, but he's not doing this." I said, "I want his mom. We signed a contract." I said, "Every two weeks, I'm going to call your mom, I'm going to call your counselor, and I'm going to call your head coach. If any one of them says anything detrimental to what you and I are talking about right now, you come off my recruiting list. But if you if you do what I ask you to do." And, and every two weeks they say you're making and you're doing what you're supposed to do. I said, I guarantee you a college trip to Arizona State. And he says, really? He says, that's all I have to do? Every two weeks, that little rascal, he became a beast student. <laughs> uh, <laughs> wow. And he never took another trip to any other school. He went, to, he, he said, I'm going to Arizona State and be with Willie Shaw. Because wow. we believed in this. And he asked me the same question you asked me. Why are you recruiting me? I said, I see something that you can be beyond and, and you did do everything you, you needed to do but but you know what you were doing David you weren't doing everything just to be doing it you were doing it beyond and that's what it and that's what I was seeing this guy's pushing himself beyond and if he continues to do that he's going to be you know it's that intangible he's going to be the best he could ever possibly be and that's what you did you just kept getting better and better you got better in, in college and then you and then you and what you play a long time in the NFL Played in this, at, you know, long time in Cincinnati, and then you came to the Raiders. Right after I was with the Raiders, I was a defensive coordinator of the Raiders just before you got there. I just left. You know, Coach, but, because of the man you are, I'm sitting here thinking, this is you're an exceptional man. I can see now why David is. You come up in a lot of conversations, whether him and I are hanging out, whether we're golfing, whether we're working on something professionally. Your name comes up a lot, and you impacted. Look at the lives you impacted in Tempe because you recruited David look at the lives you impacted in Cincinnati and across the NFL, because you saw potential gave him a blueprint, allowed him to follow through and offered that scholarship. Well, you know, I always felt like, you know, you know, I started, I always wanted to be a teacher. I started at Bell junior high school coaching eighth grade flag football. Huh. And then I was at the San Diego high school coaching high school football. Then I went and coached at the San Diego uh, City College, a junior college with my old, uh, I played at junior college with Harry West. Then I was with 
it was I, then I went from uh, junior college to major college. I was at Stanford twice, Oregon, and Arizona State. And then I was with eight NFL teams. Wow. Uh, I they thought did a, you were they, with the Lions. My cousin is a lives up the in Lions. Michigan, and uh, he'd be happy. That he's going to listen to this podcast probably three times because yeah. you coach for the Lions. I was with the Lions. I was with Saint, uh, the New Orleans Saints. I was with Minnesota Vikings twice. I was the defense coordinator, St. Louis Rams. I was with Kansas City Chiefs. I was at defense coordinator, Oakland Raiders. I was defense coordinator, San Diego Chargers when we went to the Super Bowl. And I was with the New Orleans Saints with Mike Dicker. But. Wow. I, they did a, they, they did an article on me because I'm the only, only person in the history of the National Football League that coached at all levels. Junior high school, high school, junior college, major college, national football league. But I always wanted to be a teacher, and I always felt like I wanted – and once I got into coaching, which is a high level of teaching is all it is, it's, it's you know, some high schools have English and some schools – and you have honors English. Well, once you become a coach, you're teaching honors English. You're taking an individual a high degree of skill level and making him the best he could be. And it was always my thought that God gave him the ability to play this game the other part of it was to be the best he could be was the inner person. How, you know, what kind of person is he going to be? Because that always goes hand in hand. I felt like, I always felt like if, if a third grader came into my third grade classroom and all I did was teach off the blackboard and all I did, everything I did for him was on the blackboard and I didn't reach him any other way. When he left my classroom to go to the fourth grade, that blackboard stayed in my room and he left and I didn't send anything with him to make him a better fourth grader. Wow. So, I didn't well, want to be a blackboard teacher or coach. I wanted to make sure I reached, I, I reached inside to the inner being, what's in his heart, what's in his head. So when he left me, that blackboard stayed with me, but he took something with him that was going to make him a better person, better player. Uh, uh, one of the black men gave me a, 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 a Lifetime Achievement Award about 10 years ago in, 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 con, in, in conjunction with the NFL. They worked together, and they – it was a black tie thing it was, you know, it was, it was a major event. And um, I had done some other things with 100 black men in every city I was with. And so when I, when I, when I went in and accepted this award at the St. Francis hotel in San Francisco, big time event, I told him, I said, you guys do a great job. You help inner city kids with scholarships, how to get on the right road and things like that. But, this, I really enjoy this award, but you know what? I said about three months ago, one of my kids that I had, that I coached, one of my players, I coached in the NFL. Oh, I'm sorry. We lost him for a second. We lost him again, didn't we? Yeah, I think he's in a rough, I was glad we had him for that long after we lost him at the beginning there. David, now <laughs> comes. Coach, can you hear me? Coach yeah, I can hear you there. now. Coach Willie, yeah. uh, stop right there for just a second. We lost you. I think David has a question for you. Yeah, Coach, I'm, I'm yeah. going to, you know, because we only got a couple more minutes left here, man. And I'm, I'm, oh, yeah, okay. I'm sorry. I'm so, I'm so honored, man, to, you know, one, to have you at my uh, my, my Hall of Fame dinner in Vegas when yeah. the boys oh, tried to get you together. I appreciate that. But I got a question because Arizona State's going to play Stanford. Yes. Uh, obviously, Stanford's uh, head coach is your son, David. Um, and exactly. what you, you saw Arizona State play against Washington, totally different football team. And then you saw Stanford play against Notre Dame, 
And I don't, I'm not looking for a prediction, but I'm looking for what's the intangibles that you see coming up this week for Arizona State and Stanford for both of them to win the football game. They are both in the same mode right now. They are both, the game is, is important to both teams for, for different, for the same reasons. Um, they have the potential to be very good. Both of them do. There's some games on their schedule that they lost. They could have won. Um, they they beat some big time. They 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 coming off real big time wins. That would, it's a great win for us on state over Washington because we lost, uh, Stanford lost to Washington forty two to twenty something. So wow. they're both in that same mode. Both need a win, and they both have potential to be pretty good teams. And, and so they're 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 both trying to find their identity. And for that reason, I think it's gonna be a really good game. That could, could go either way. For the same reason that they're in the same mode at the same time, which one's going to go in? So I'm expecting a really, really good football game. They they got good people. Uh, the both teams play hard. They've been unfortunate with losses that they probably they probably could have won, but now it comes down to this. And you know I've coached on both sides. I've coached at Arizona State against Stanford too, and of course at Stanford against Arizona State. So um, I'm on both sides. Arizona State has always been in my heart. It's one of my me and my family, five years we spent in Arizona was one of the greatest times we ever had. You know, my kids were young and they were, uh, you know, they still, they still know being in that state. And we, they were talking about it the other, me and my daughter and my oldest son was talking about the other day, going in that, in that ASU stadium was just a magical time every Saturday mm-hmm. night that we had home games. So uh, they're still in our heart. You know, that it's the only college I spent that much time in. I was at Stanford twice, but it was what, three years and three years. I spent five straight years at Arizona State. Had some great times, had some great victories, uh, and um, so Coach, yeah, my heart, other, my heart is a little split on this one. Always has been. It's the other David, and I, I have a question. The three of us are fathers. We're all fathers. We all love being fathers. We love our children. I, I would just love to know, from a father's perspective, what it was like to turn on national television and watch your son lead an underdog team into South Bend and win a game and see the dazed and confused looks on the fans and the team that they defeated there in South Bend. What's that feel like, sir? It was an outstanding feeling. It was a reminiscence of another feeling. When my, I, I coached at Stanford in, in the early 90s when my son was on the team. So we went in the South Bend in 91, I think it was 91, when, when Notre Dame was number one in the nation and we were unranked. They had the bus on the team. They had uh, uh, Jerome Bettis. Yes. Yeah, they had Jerome on the team. We beat him that night. I was a defensive coordinator on that team. So I've had some other experiences with my son. Uh, I coached with him when when I was coaching, when I was a defense coordinator of, of uh, the Oakland Rangers. My son was coaching quarterbacks and wide receivers on the other side of the ball. <laughs> wow. Wow. So we've had some great experiences. And um, so – he, you know, he could have done some other things, and I was really honored when he decided to be a coach, just because of, of being around me all those years. And uh, when he when he got the head coach job at Arizona State, I mean at uh, Stanford, I wish he would have been at Arizona State. But when he get, when he got the head job at, Stan, at at Stanford, a reporter asked me, "Isn't this the greatest thing ever happened to you with your son?" I said, "No." He said, "Well, what's the greatest thing ever happened with you and your son?" I said, "Him getting accepted in Stanford." He said, "Oh, yeah, that would be great." He says, "But." This has got to be the second greatest thing happened with you and your son. I said, no, it's not. 
He said, well, what is the second greatest thing? I said, graduate from Stanford. And now that we get down to the football thing. But yeah, it's really oh. an honor uh, being watching your son go through the same kind of career in life that, that I went through. And, and, uh, and, and knowing that I had a lot to do with uh, shaping him, he is a fantastic, he's not just a really good football coach. He's a fantastic young man. Yes, he is. And, uh, coach, I told David before you came on the show that yes, he is. It, was, it was a treat to watch David coach. They would pan the sideline. He was calm, cool, calm collected. Cool. Even, in the, even in the toughest of situations, he had a smile on his face. He had this quiet confidence in his team rallied around him. And after having you as a guest today, it's clear that apples don't fall very far from no, trees. they don't. So no, they don't. it's great to have you on. Well, thank you very much. It's very much a prayer. I'm glad I was able to have this time. Anytime I have with David Fulcher, uh-huh. it's always a really good time for me and me in my life. I love the man very much. He's one of my greatest. And I've had some great, great players. And they still call me and catch up on me. Coach, how you doing? Because I was with eight NFL teams. And uh, so – David is one of my all-time favorite. I, when his name comes out, my stick, chest sticks out, and, and like I'm his second father, say, hey, that's my yes, man. Yes, you David. are, man. Yes, you are, my friend. Hey, listen, yeah. Coach, I'm going to let you go. Thank okay. you, man. We appreciate you. And, uh, hey, I appreciate you guys, too. Give I'm, me uh, I'm probably going to try my best to get out somewhere in Stanford if I don't. I know I'm going to ASU for the uh, Fiesta Bowl reunion or 82 Fiesta Bowl reunion against uh, Oregon State for homecoming. So, if you're around, man, let me know. I want to you come know, see you. you know, Bring your golf clubs. I'm, I'm thinking about trying to get down there. You know, that's the week we play Cal. Cal is a big game for us. Yeah. Oh, boy. Well, I keep saying us, not me, for, for my son. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I'm, I'm kind of hanging on the edge. I'm, you know, I know when I call, if I tell but he understands because he, he, he has a real strong feeling about ASU, too. Like I said, he was a young man in seventh and eighth grade when he was there, and he really yeah. – Love the games and love going to Arizona State. So that's big enough. So if there's any chance that I can get down there that week, I'll let you know. All and right, my friend. Okay. All right, okay. my friend. Enjoy the weather out there, man. Thank you for coming on, man. The D Squares love to have you and believe in Arizona State. And I Great say this, you, uh, I say this with uh, humble. Uh, let's go ASU, um, Stanford. Let's make it close, but let's go ASU and let's get it done. <laughs> I can appreciate that. All right, my friend. Take Thank care, you, man. Talk to you, you later. You guys have a great day. All right, Thank Coach. Talk to you later. Bye-bye. Bye. Wow, man. That was – um. Wow. That was – Dave, I'm telling you, man. Well, it's yeah. the first one, David, that I've taken a page full of notes while I'm listening to our guest. The, the blackboard, uh, I had to give that – I had to give my kids more than just getting what's on the blackboard because the blackboard stays with me. Oh, I know. That's, that's going to stay with me. I, I will like that. I will share that with audiences and credit him all over the world. And then the other one, uh, coaching is just a high level of teaching. Wow. I mean, I feel like I'm a changed person after a I'm podcast. Yes. So now yeah, you I don't know, man. You don't now know how you don't know how significant that that man there was uh, in my life. I have to clear my eyes up, man, because uh he has, I don't know if I'd be here today. And I, and my dad is obviously a big role in my life, but I don't know where I would be today if it wasn't for Willie Shaw because of him having confidence in me and giving me the best that I could be. So, um, what, what a great show, man. What a, what a great podcast. This was, uh, this was uh, one that I can't wait to hear and see. And I'm, if you're out there listening, 
you know, listening to Willie Shaw and the significant role he had in my life, there are more Willie Shaws out there. And sometimes people aren't paying attention to him, um, but they're there. And if you believe in yourself and the person who's trying to help you, <clears throat> Willie Shaw was that guy for me. And um, what, a, what a great day today, man. What a great day for the D squares and Arizona State and believing in ASU. We we had a we had a good um, we had a good show, man, and I believe Arizona State's going to do what's necessary to take care of Stanford this weekend and get another uh, another week another win under their belt and uh, get ready for the next opponent, which is Colorado. Looking forward, to, and you know Colorado again. Uh, I believe they had a coaching change, and here they come back and they beat Cal, so they're gonna. I think they're gonna be a little more fired up and a little more together than they might have been had they just kept going on, going on. So what looked like an off couple of weeks isn't, and it's exciting. Yes, sir, man. All good, brother. I'll talk to you. We'll get it done, and uh, we'll be ready for Colorado. David, thank you for sharing Willie Shaw with all of us. Yes, sir, brother. Take care. You too. God bless. You too. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.